You're, you're, you're listening to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Didn't you coach Burt Reynolds? Yes, I did. Was he any good? He was a defensive back. I know. Was he any good, I said. 103.9 FM LI News Radio presents The Weekend Crunch with Errol Marks and Speedy Petey. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new show of The Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every Single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Scene Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Speedy Petey, what is going on, my friends? Well, looking forward to a good holiday weekend. Hope everyone has a great holiday weekend themselves, 4th of July weekend. And I am happy to not be a Brooklyn Nets fan. Happy 4th of July to all the fans out there. It's my favorite holiday. My family, my friends, swimming in the swimming pool, the fireworks. It is a wonderful, wonderful day to spend with your family and friends, and it's something that I look forward to every single year. My girlfriend will be working on Monday, so I'm not going to have the chance to spend it with her, but for all the people out there that enjoy this day and enjoy the opportunity to spend with your family, cherish the moment with the family and and get a chance to hang out with your family and friends. So it's definitely a great, great holiday and something that I always look forward to. We have a great show lined up for you guys a little bit later in the show. We will be talking to 49ers, Packers, and Broncos ex-linebacker Dyrell Briggs. We're going to see what he's doing off the field ever since he retired and his thoughts, what's going on in the NFL. So he does a lot of charitable work for autistic kids, and, and he's a fantastic person, fantastic personality. So we're very happy to get him on the show again. He loves our show, by yes. the way. He's a big fan of our show, as he will come on the show and preach to listen to us every single week, every single day. So thank you to Dyrell Briggs for joining us a little bit later in the show. We will get into the avalanche. Yes, the Colorado Avalanche are now the new Stanley Cup champions as they knocked off the Tampa Bay Lightning. I am not surprised. We'll get into a little bit of that a little bit later in the show as they like slamming cups all over the ice. But nevertheless, I I think that they deserved it. I think they're one of the best and more unique, talented young teams in the NHL. So we'll get a little bit into that. We're definitely going to get into the Kyrie Irving saga. We got into it last week. We're going to get into this week. And now we're going to add a little bit of salt to it as KD, yes, Kevin Durant has come out this week and requested a trade from the Brooklyn Nets. And what does this say about the Brooklyn Nets organization, Speedy? Dysfunction. They sound like the New York Knicks for the last 30 years. And the New York (laughs) Knicks are coming under the radar. So what does that tell you? The New York Knicks have a new point guard in Jalen Brunson. He signs with the New York Knicks, $104 million contract. We'll get into the free agency market in the NBA. A couple of big trades as Rudy Gobert gets traded from Utah to the Timberwolves. We'll get into that. And what does that say about maybe Donovan Mitchell not going to the New York Mm -hmm. Knicks? So if you're a New York Knicks fan, I wouldn't be excited for Rudy Gobert getting traded to the Timberwolves. So we'll get into that in just a few moments. C.J. Mosley speaks out, and he believes and has said that the season would be a bust 
if the Jets don't make it to the playoffs. So he speaks very highly of this team. He believes in this team, and he thinks that this team is absolutely going to compete this year as a contender. I, I'm very surprised about that. But C.J. Mosley, this guy is a pro Bowl type of player. He's one of the, the best top five, top six linebackers in the NFL. So when he speaks... I think we should listen. So we'll see what happens with the New York Jets and what CJ believes that this team could be. Max Scherzer is on his way back. Jacob DeGrom could be back in the next two to three weeks as well. So the New York Mets getting healthy at the right time. Your New York Yankees that are still red, red hot. They lost the other day against the Houston Astros in a very close game, a 2-1 loss. But I think Houston is the ether of the New York Yankees this year. You know, every year... They're the ether of the New York Mets. They just beat them four times, too. <laughs> I mean, the Yankees cannot beat the Houston Astros. They've had problems with them so far early this season. We'll see what happens as the season moves forward. The Astros are a good team, mm-hmm. but are they elite? That's the question. I'm looking forward to seeing what this Houston Astros team is going to be in the second half of the season after the trade deadline. So there is no Carlos Correa anymore. He's with the Twins. I'm very surprised how well they've played with some of the losses that they have had over the last couple of years. So this is a good run organization that has been very successful over the years in cheating. So we'll see moving forward what this Astros team is going to be. But even after the cheating now, they're doing well. Well, how do we know they're not cheating now? Maybe, well, you know, that's always a possibility <laughs> of that. That's true. <laughs> they've been a cheater once. They've been a cheater twice. Don't fool me a third time. So we'll see what happens as the season moves forward. Terry McLaurin gets a new contract from who? The Washington Commanders. They finally bite the bullet and pay their best player. $23.5 million per year. $53 million guarantee. We'll get into that a little bit later. Deshaun Watson situation seems to heat up even further. So we'll get into that. Great show. As we will get into first, the NBA. And the NBA seems to be all about the Brooklyn Nets. And who would have thought that the Brooklyn Nets in New York would be the talk of the town? The Knicks have been a laughing stock. The laughing stock of the NBA for the last 30 years. Their owner, different GMs. How many coaches? I could go through probably six, seven coaches in the last 10 years. And then Phil Jackson mixed in there. (laughs) This organization has been a poorly dysfunctional organization in the New York Knicks. But ever since Billy King from the Brooklyn Nets was fired, everybody thought bringing in Sean Marks, it made a lot of sense. Coming from the San Antonio Spurs, the San Antonio Spurs with all the championships that they won with Tim Duncan, Manu Ginobili, Parker, Kawhi Leonard, all the players that they drafted over the years. That was the right way of going, bringing in a guy that understands how to build a basketball team. Then Sean Marks stamped his name, drafting in his first draft, Karis LeVert, where everybody thought, who the hell is this guy? Karis LeVert was a quality player, a kid that played for Michigan, played in that Final Four, and he looked like a player. Then they had this kid, Allen, the rebounder, fantastic defensive player, great paint player, who, by the way, Sean Marks loved. And then he found Spencer Dinwiddie, where he has been a journeyman ever since he's come into the league. Still a very young player and has gone to two different teams ever since the Nets parted ways with him. And then they decided, for some reason, to fire Kenny Atkinson, who I believe understands how to build young talent to play for him. And you decide after that whole situation, it's a trade off the pieces. 
We're going to bring in Kyrie Irving. We're going to bring in Kevin Durant. Two superstar players that have won in respectable places. Kyrie winning with the Cavaliers. KD winning with the Golden State Warriors. They both wanted to combine and build a super team here in Brooklyn. And finally bring a championship home to a New York team. Now, not the Knicks, but the Brooklyn Nets. Everybody trying to figure out what this team identity has been over the last two or three years since they've been there. And then they decide to trade away. Karis LeVert, Allen, Dinwiddie, all gone. All the guys that he brought in to build this team, just like the San Antonio Spurs. You draft and you bring in good free agents and build them up. He decides to part ways with that. Get off the trajectory and decides to go with the veteran players. One veteran player coming off a major injury with his Achilles. And the other one who doesn't shut his damn mouth. And then, to top it all off, he takes those players and trades his young players for James Harden. Who, by the way, is no longer a Brooklyn Nets. He's no longer a 76er either. But they trade James Harden after trading away future consideration first-round draft picks, a.k.a. Billy King. They trade James Harden to the 76ers for Ben Simmons. The same Ben Simmons that decided not to play in the playoffs, which knocked the Brooklyn Nets out of the first round. So now the offseason comes. Kyrie could opt into his contract Or he wants a Mega Max contract worth about $240 million, which would make him the highest paid player in NBA history. And the Brooklyn Nets didn't want to give it to him. You know what they do is they tell Kyrie, go out. Go find another team that will trade with us, and we'll trade you. Obviously, nobody wants Kyrie Irving because they don't want to take his craziness on and off the court. So you know what happens? Kyrie opts into his $36.5 million contract this year. And what does that stir up? It stirs up KD, Kevin Durant, who is pissed off that Kyrie didn't get his Mega Max contract. And he goes to the Brooklyn Nets and says, you know what? I want to be traded. I either want to go to Miami or I want to go to Phoenix. And now it opens up the floodgates to this Brooklyn Nets team, this organization that once actually knew what they were doing. And what does that tell us about this organization? Sean Marks will probably be looking for a new job next year. Steve Nash will be looking for a new job next year. Kenny Atkinson will have a new job next year. And KD and Kyrie will be playing elsewhere just like James Harden. It seemed for a while that the 2011 Steve Nash, ironically, Kobe, Dwight Howard, Lakers were going to be the worst big three ever. This big three debacle of the Brooklyn Nets multiplied that times 10. All the drama, all the unknowns, James Harden not showing up in the playoffs. Ben Simmons then went in the swap. Not showing up in the playoffs. Not even playing in the playoffs. (laughs) Kyrie Irving barely showing up for any home games. Meanwhile, he's on Twitter tweeting all the weirdest things ever. And Kevin Durant, he had missed the first season with the injury, obviously. Played very well in his second season. Played well towards the next season. And now he wants out, too. And look at the two teams he's seeking out. The two teams that were the number one seeds in their respective conferences. Oh, talk about a guy that just uh, trying to find winners. Leaves OKC for Golden State after a 73-9 and season. Leaves the Warriors for, for the Brooklyn Nets with Kyrie Irving trying to build this new big three. Well, hate to break it to you, Brooklyn. You're behind the curve a little bit on what wins now in the NBA. Yes, the Lakers just won with LeBron and Anthony Davis, their dynamic duo two years ago. Beyond that, 
all the teams that are winning now are drafting and developing themselves and building around certain stars, not going for the route that we saw the LeBron Cavs do and the LeBron Heat do. Yeah, that doesn't work in today's game anymore. You missed your chance, Brooklyn, and now you're paying the price big time. And you just traded away your other first-round pick in 2023. That could have been a lottery pick if you ended up trading all these guys away where you could have rebuilt. Nope, you still traded them away, too. So you have two pick swaps worth of first-round picks up until 2029. Those are your only first-round picks, and now you have these guys wanting out. You better hope that they're able to get these good trades from these teams, the Suns, the Heat, and wherever Kyrie wants to go, which if he wants to go to the Lakers, they don't have a lot to offer, too, when it comes to young pieces and draft picks. So good luck trying to get any of that to work. And according to the guest we had on the Sports Lab Mouse on Thursday, Austin Krell, it might be harder than even expected to trade Kevin Durant because – the players that Miami could offer in Tyler Hero and Bam out of bio, they might not be eligible to be traded. And DeAndre Ayton, not eligible to be traded because he's right off his rookie deal. So that's going to make it harder to get what they want. So you have to get maybe a third team involved or maybe make Kevin Durant not happy and get less back. So have fun, Brooklyn. Have fun with your dysfunction. I got a question for Kevin Durant. I really do. Because this, this, this is a question for him and his family. Why did you decide to go to Brooklyn when you had a chance to stay in Golden State, take your extension, and win more championships with Steph Curry and the bunch of idiots over there. What was the reason why you went over there to Brooklyn? Why? Because you wanted to win a championship yourself? You weren't going to win a championship yourself because you wanted Kyrie Irving there with you, and then you wanted James Harden. And both guys started to hate each other and hated you, and they want to part ways. Now, all of a sudden, you're hearing stories from KD's camp that KD wants to go wherever Kyrie goes. Yeah, okay. So why would you go elsewhere? Why don't you just stay in Brooklyn? It doesn't make sense. Why would you leave Brooklyn when you have Kyrie there already? Why would you leave there to go somewhere where Kyrie Irvin wants to go to? It doesn't make sense. None of it does. But it shows you the dysfunction of these two players. And it shows you what the NBA is turning into. This is not a player's league. This is a, a dictatorship. The players dictate where they want to be and where they want to go. So if they want to go to L.A., they want to go to the Clippers, they want to go to Miami, Phoenix, Dallas, wherever. If they're demanding it, you have to trade them there. Because if they don't want to play for those teams, they'll just not play. They'll say, that you could trade me there, I'm just not playing for them. And that's what's going on with the NBA. I think Adam Silver needs to figure this out. Because the players should not be running the league. The commissioner should be running the league with the owners. And the owners should be demanding with the GMs and with the coaching what these players should or should not do. It's a disgrace. This is the way the NBA as a whole is going. Everybody keeps blaming LeBron James. The big three thing, I would say LeBron started this whole thing yeah. as far as bunching top players together to try to win championships. Absolutely, that's LeBron's fault. But the players running the league, this has been going on even before LeBron. Shaquille O'Neal, do you remember that with Orlando Magic? He wanted out of Orlando. He wanted to go play with the L.A. Lakers. Kevin Garnett and Paul Pierce obviously wanted to band together. They're good friends. And Mikhail and Ainge are very good friends. So what did they do? They traded Kevin Garnett to the Boston Celtics to help Boston win their first title in how long? We've seen this before. This has been going on for a while. It's just getting worse now. And I don't care what Chris Paul says as he runs the players union and Chris Paul says we have the right yeah you have the right to make millions and millions of dollars 
and tell the ownership or the GMs that if you don't get traded or you don't go and play the, play with the team that you want to play for, you won't play. Zach Levine just got a $215 million contract from Chicago. These guys are making $200 million. Nikola Jokic just got five years, 270 <laughs> That's guaranteed money, guys. Guaranteed. This is not football. That's guaranteed. That means if they retire tomorrow, that money is guaranteed to them. It's ridiculous. And they're running the league. They're telling the league, well, we're doing this and we're doing that. And I'm Kevin Durant and I'm Kyrie Irving and I think the earth is flat. It's ridiculous. And this Brooklyn Nets team, I feel bad for the little bit of Brooklyn Nets fans that are out there. And there are a few. Because if you have James Harden standing outside the stadium about a year and a half ago trying to sell playoff tickets to fans to come and watch the games, there's a problem there. It was the most impressive things James Harden's ever done in the playoffs. It's a problem. This organization is a problem. And Sean Marks is going to be looking or maybe never get a job again Mm -hmm. in the NBA. Have we heard from Billy King ever since he's left the Brooklyn Nets? No, he probably went into hiding somewhere. Now you have Sean Marks. He is in the same boat as Billy King. Maybe even worse. Maybe Billy King is on a lost boat with Deron Williams out at sea. (laughs) Look at how many draft picks he gave up for James Harden. He gave up four first-round draft picks. For James Harden. And I'm telling you, the Rockets are smiling to the bank right now. Mm-hmm. Because now, KD wants out. Kyrie wants out. James Harden's gone. And they're going to be a crappy team again. Mm-hmm. And they're going to be a lottery team. And you know what that means? Houston's going to be bagging on their riches just like Boston did with Billy King. Literally, the Nets' only first-round picks for the remainder of this decade are pick swaps with the Houston Rockets. It's because horrible. Because they just traded their 2023-1-2. And by the way, they have no future players on that team. Nope. There's nobody. And don't tell me Nick Claxton, okay? Nope. I, I don't want to hear it. Traditional center. They're not going to work in today's NBA. There is not one young player. Like, the Knicks have R.J. Barrett. They've got young players. Obi Toppin could be a player. Quickly, Grimes. These guys could turn out to be great players for the Knicks. And they're not going to trade them off. And by the way, the Knicks have 11 first-round draft picks in the next seven years. They have nine second-round draft picks in the next seven years. The Knicks have future consideration picks they can move to get players to come and play in New York. The Brooklyn Nets have nothing. They've got nothing. They got two superstars that are disgruntled, and the other one that's somewhere else, wherever he is now, and James Harden. And then you have Ben Simmons trying to buy all oh, his please. clothing with all his big contracts. Please, with Ben Simmons. He's going to be the only player left on that team. What a joke. You have your team to build around in Ben Simmons. A guy that can't shoot a three. A guy has no perimeter game. A guy that can't shoot a free throw. I would say a five-year-old kid could shoot a free throw better than him. That's right. The Nets may only have enough money for five-year-old kids. And by the way, they got to pay him. He's an overpaid player. (laughs) He's got $150 million owed to him. It's ridiculous. This team is a joke, ladies and gentlemen. An absolute joke. And if you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, boy, oh boy, I feel bad for you. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will get into free agency as the New York Knicks land their guy. Is he a top guy? Jalen Brunson is now heading to New York. What does this mean moving forward for Donovan Mitchell or any of the players that have moved so far in free agency? When we come back, we'll get into that here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen, as you know. This is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks, my co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only. 
on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. You can check out all our shows throughout the week, Sports Loudmouths, The Ryan Hickey Show, Weapons Hot, all the different shows that we have on our network. It's a great, great app. It's so easy to use, and it's free. Go to your app store. Go to your Apple apps or your Play Store on your Android. Go download the World Wide Sports Radio app. By the way, this is the 4th of July edition of the Weekend Crunch. If you're a New York Knicks fan right now, I wouldn't say you'd be excited. But now you could say that there are free agents that want to come to New York and try to win here. And on Thursday... Dallas was informed by the agent of Jalen Brunson that he is no longer going to be a Dallas Maverick, that he is moving his talents to New York to go and play with the Knicks for less money. Dallas offered him a $106 million contract for the next four years. No fifth-year option. The Knicks offered him a $104 million contract, four years with a fifth-year option. So what does that tell you right now? It tells you that there is a player out there that actually wants to play in New York with the New York Knicks. Now, it has nothing to do with James Dolan. has nothing to do with Leon Rose or World Wide West or Tom Thibodeau, who could possibly not be there after next year. Or Julius Randle could be traded before the season starts. Hopefully. It's not because of R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, or any of those guys. It could be because of his father, who got an assistant coach job. Maybe. It's because Jalen Brunson is from this area. Jalen Brunson grew up in Madison Square Garden rooting for the New York Knicks. He went to Villanova where he had a chance to play for a national championship. This is a born winner. Now, that doesn't mean that a 5'11 point guard is going to succeed in Madison Square Garden because we've seen a lot of great players come here in New York and not succeed in Madison Square Garden. But something tells me about this particular kid who's 25 years old. He's still very young. Hasn't even hit his mark in his prime of his career. That could turn out to be a sensational player with this Nick team. The question is, adding Jalen Brunson to a team of R.J. Barrett, right now Julius Randle, O.B. Toppin, Mitchell Robinson, who just got an extension four years, $60 million, Grimes, Quigley. So with the talent the New York Knicks have, the Knicks have a good future. They don't have nothing to look forward to when it comes to draft picks. They have it. And adding Jalen Brunson, it gives you a point guard that you have been lacking for the last, I would say, 20 years. The last good point guard I remember the Knicks having was Chris Childs or even Charlie Ward. And those guys weren't elite point guards in the league. They were good. They weren't elite. Walt Clive Frazier was probably the last elite point guard they had in the 70s. So now, is Jalen Brunson an elite player? He's not. Can he be? He's got the talent. He showed you what he could do in the playoffs with the Dallas Mavericks. The Knicks don't have Luka Doncic, a guy that you have to double, triple team, even quadruple team sometimes because he's that good. R.J. Barrett is an up-and-coming star. He could turn out to be, I don't know if he's Luka Doncic, but he could be a A step under Luka Doncic. He could be a guy that can average 27, 28 points a game and give you about seven rebounds and four assists a game and could be an elite player in this league. So bringing in Jalen Brunson to help out a future elite player in the league could be very helpful. 
moving forward for the New York Knicks. Absolutely. You look at a Knicks team that also, when they've tried to bring in point guards, they brought in mostly veteran guys, and it hasn't worked there, or the team around them wasn't good to make it work. And for a while, they just had trouble just getting overall free agents, too, to that level. Jalen Brunson has upside, he's young, and durable, and so far has been good in the playoffs for a Dallas Mavericks team that, outside of Luka Doncic, was never thought of to be overly talented. They were in a very similar situation we were talking about with the Knicks in the past. They were stuck with a lot of bad contracts and overpaid for a lot of big players and not that Mark Cuban was ever as bad as James Dolan was as an owner, but he was dishing out very similar contracts where they had to go get themselves out of a pit, and now they finally have that. And Jalen Brunson was essentially that second piece in order to do that, a second-round pick that really has transformed his game, battle-tested, does well in the playoffs, and does well at making his teammates better. Yes, he's not an elite point guard yet, but who says he can't get there? He's a guy that can do a lot of different things. He doesn't really have a significant flaw in his game. Yes, he's not a potent points per game guy, 16.3, but assists 4.8. Not great defensively, but certainly not a liability like somebody like Kyrie Irving or somebody like that. And great free throw shooter, very good three-point shooter, and a guy that makes other teammates better. And if these young players that you were mentioning develop to that same level like they have been for the Knicks so far when they've gotten the playing time, FYI, Tom Thibodeau, then they should be able to grow with somebody like Jalen Brunson. Yes, I don't expect R.J. Barrett to be like Luka Doncic. I don't expect anybody they have to be like Luka Doncic, but they have a good core in place if they develop properly like they should the way they drafted them. I think when you look at the big picture, the New York Knicks are moving in the right direction. They're free agents that want to go and play there now. Yeah. So now with Jalen Brunson there, a 25-year-old, an up-and-coming young player that looks like could turn out to be a star, you've got two young players like RJ, who's only 22 years old, and a guy like Jalen Brunson, who's 25, still fairly young. Two guys that you can build around with, Opie Toppin, Emmanuel Quigley, Grimes, who who could be a star too. Uh, it looked some points last year to be a good player. So I am very interested to see where this team is going and where the New York Knicks could be heading in free agency. Speedy, what stood out to you so far in this free agency market? I think so far there's a lot of the teams that have kept their players. I think we were mentioning before in the first segment, a lot of these players trying to force their way out. We're kind of seeing the opposite effect so far in this NBA free agency season. Bradley Beal stays with the Wizards, five years, $251 million. You mentioned Zach Levine earlier staying with Chicago. All the big extensions that a lot of these other top superstar players have gotten to stay with their current teams. And maybe that is something that can be a ripple effect where you don't have all this drama like the LeBron era with Chris Paul and Kyrie Irving. And not that Chris Paul was part of that, but you were mentioning that the Players Union, maybe these new generation is trying to avoid that same level of drama and try to bring some stability to their organizations because a lot of them have taken big money to stay with their current teams. The Hawks made a great trade to help Trey Young in that backcourt after they paid him, getting DeJounte Murray to help satisfy him. Now Dallas, they lost Jalen Brunson, but maybe they get that money somewhere else. How about Luka Doncic? The Nuggets just extended Nikola Jokic. Like These guys are staying here. They're staying with their current teams, and that's a big difference maker. Uh, There's not a lot of guys that have moved teams so far, which is very surprising for an NBA that usually has guys moving around big time every offseason. Now, the trades could still happen with Kyrie and Kevin Durant. There are some other guys on the trade block right now, guys like Miles Turner and John Collins, guys like that Kevin Huerter just got traded. There are some other pieces, but those are more secondary type guys. These big names, these big superstar guys aren't getting the movement that we usually see in previous off-seasons. I think the big move that we saw so far in free agency was a trade. And the Jazz trading off Rudy Gobert to the Timberwolves definitely stands out. What does that tell you? It tells you 
that the chances of Knicks getting Donovan Mitchell could be lost. Yeah. Because I said that they were going to trade either one or the other. They don't get along. And they're going to build their team around one or the other. And it seems like they're going with Donovan Mitchell. Now, that doesn't mean the Timberwolves are not going to move and, and possibly trade Donovan Mitchell. If the right trade comes along. And the Knicks have 11 first-round draft picks. And you saw what the, the haul that Danny Ainge got from the Timberwolves. Danny Ainge got four first-round draft picks and, and a flop for a, another draft pick. Yep. So that's almost five first-round draft picks he got for Rudy Gobert. And now, hey, if Donovan Mitchell's up there, they're open to move him. They could get five or six for Donovan Mitchell, maybe from the Knicks. Miami was very interested in him, right. and they're still very interested in him if he becomes available. So who knows? So it's still not set in stone if Donovan Mitchell's the guy they're going to build around, but everything that Danny Ainge said the other day is is that they're keeping him and they want to build around him. Yeah, so. and I think what they are able to get back in the trade, too, definitely magnifies that the Jazz don't want to completely go on full rebuild. Now, Donovan Mitchell has to be happy about it. The player is going to have merit in this situation, but Patrick Beverly is a not a great offensive point guard, but a great defensive point guard. Has a lot of playoff experience. Malik Beasley has been a lot of on a lot of good teams the last couple of years as a bench player. And then Walker Kessler is a good young big man they build around. Jared Vanderbilt played well last year for Minnesota. These are all pieces that are not rebuilding type pieces. These are guys that are going to make an instant impact. Now, obviously, the two big men aren't going to be the same level overall as Gobert defensively, but they might be able to make up that production by having two guys there because we've seen teams recently in the playoffs expose Gobert where they're getting him out of position and allowing other guys to go inside or allowing them to shoot threes. We definitely saw that with the Clippers even before Kawhi Leonard got hurt and we saw that last year with the Mavericks as well. So maybe they were thinking okay strength in numbers in that way and Utah still has guys like Jordan Clarkson and Mike Conley that are good players so if that's enough to keep Mitchell happy they could still be a competitive team and maybe they use that money to get something else because Gobert was on a pretty big contract over $200 million himself. So maybe they're thinking maybe Donovan Mitchell has somebody in mind that maybe they want to make a trade for or sign. How did the Golden State Warriors sign Looney? All the money that they have invested in Wiggins, Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, Draymond Green. How do they have enough money to pay $25.5 million to Looney? Where's all this money going? How do they have enough? The Knicks have Julius Randle. R.J. Barrett, Mitchell Robinson, or the players that they have. Fournier, yeah. And Fournier. <laughs> yeah, okay. And the Golden State Warriors have Clay Thompson, who's making over $180 million. Yep. Draymond Green, that's making over $100 million. Steph Curry, that's making $200 million. Wiggins, that's making over close to $100 million. Where's all this money coming from? How do they have the money to pay this guy, Looney, uh, Three-year, $25.5 million. It must be some kind sense. of salary cap inflation percentage that they were able to it figure out. It doesn't make sense. I, yeah, it, it was kind of weird. I'm surprised they were able to keep him, too. Maybe he took a lot less than his market value. I'm not $25 really... million? Dollars? I mean, give me a break. That means they're paying him It's about It's a little, a little over $8 million a year. But, again, I think Looney, being he just came off a championship competitive team, a lot of time that can cost teams to overpay for guys, whether it's for the good or not for their team. I'm not even talking about overpaying. How do they have enough money on their cap to pay him twenty thousand. cap keeps going up every year. It's the NBA. The TV ratings are still strong for the NBA. This doesn't make sense. They keep finding the ways to maneuver these guys to make it work. They lost Gary Payton. They lost Damian Lee. So it's not like they were able to keep everybody. Gary Payton's an 
bad on player, had a good playoff. But I, I, don't, I don't know how good Gary Payton Jr. is. Those yeah, guys, he's a journeyman. He, those guys are just, player. well, he's not a journeyman. I think they drafted him, didn't they? Draft no, him? they didn't draft him. He, he was with the Lakers. He was with the Pistons. Really? Gary P- yeah, he, he's, he's been bumped around many different teams. And I think he was bumped around like five different G League teams. Right? I never thought him to be any good. He's not his father. No, he's definitely not his father, no. The, the glove, if everybody doesn't know who Gary Payton is. but I would hope everyone does. Well, some people are not following. The, they follow our show. They might not be interested in basketball anymore. A lot of people shouldn't be with all the stuff that's going on in the game. But the Celtics acquired Brogdon from the Pacers. I think that was a great move by them. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you why. Because the Celtics need another young player, a young guy that could turn out to be a star. And Brogdon still has a lot of growing up to do. I believe that Malcolm Brogdon could be maybe a future star. He's a very good two-way player. He needs to work on his offensive game. He needs to build a three-point shot. But his inside game, I think, is close to elite. I I think he's a great player. So adding Brogdon to Jalen Brown and, obviously, Jason Tatum, this team is still a good team. I don't know if... They're going to be back in the finals next year because I think a lot of these Eastern Conference teams are going to be a lot better. I'm very surprised the Hornets. Hornets have so much salary room. They have a young stud in LaMelo Ball. I'm interested to see where some of these teams are going. Now, do I think Zach Levine got overpaid by the Chicago Bulls? Absolutely. $215 million for a guy that has been a star maybe two years and who was a slam dunk champion and then a three-point champion. The guy has tremendous talent, but I don't know if he's worth $215 million. But again, there's a lot of free agents that don't want to go and play in Chicago anymore. This isn't Michael Jordan. This isn't Scottie Pippen. This isn't the bad boy Chicago Bulls teams of the 90s where Dennis Rodman was there too. So I'm interested to see the rest of the free agents that are still available and some of the trade pieces that could be traded, a.k.a. Donovan Mitchell, Mm -hmm. if it even happens. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to get into the MLB as we're going to get into the New York Mets, who are right now moving in higher heights. Even though they lost Bassett in the COVID situation, they have Max Scherzer coming back. They have Jacob DeGrom coming back. And the New York Yankees are still Leading the way, 33 games over 500. Yippee skippy to all the Yankee haters out there that hated Aaron Boone and hated Brian Cashman. What do you say about the Yankees now? When we come back, we'll get into the Yankees and the Mets here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks, my co-host, Speedy. PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine and the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Well, well, well. Baseball is hot here in New York, and I mean. Super hot as the New York Mets could have Max Scherzer in that rotation by next week. I've told all the Mets fans adding Max Scherzer could cause problems when it comes to health. And I think Max Scherzer is a fantastic player. He's 38 years old. And yes, I think Max Scherzer is one of the more dominant pitchers we've seen in the last 30 years. But going into the season, I didn't think that Max Scherzer was going to be healthy all season long. And this lat injury could be significant throughout the season. We've seen this with Noah Syndergaard for two years. And now he's no longer with the Mets. He's with the Angels. Good riddance. 
So Max Scherzer's on his way back, and you should be excited because he says he's 100% healthy and he's ready to go. But if this happens again, he could be out a significant amount of time. He's been out for, what, five weeks? Mm -hmm. This could be eight, nine, maybe the rest of the season. So the Mets need to make sure that Max Scherzer is 110% ready to come back because they do not want to see him out of this rotation again. So far, the Mets have done a good job at not overreacting to the injuries where the previous regimes, we see them rush players back like Noah Syndergaard. That was a big reason he never developed, especially for a guy that was a power pitcher, Matt Harvey, guys like that. They haven't rushed anybody back, even with guys like Carrasco struggling. Taiwan Walker has been good, sometimes bad, sometimes. And David Peterson, same kind of thing. They haven't initially said, all right, Max Scherzer, come back now they've done his both his rehab starts two rehab starts spread out well in different minor league cities and did it the right way same kind of thing with Jacob deGrom he's starting his rehab this weekend they're going to do probably three rehab starts with him as well Bassett too just going on the COVID list as well they scratched his start yesterday and they're doing things the right way finally for a team that never does the right things the right way when it comes to injury management I think when you look at Bassett's situation the COVID situation Bassett will be back in nine days ten days yeah he'll miss one more start yeah probably. he'll be fine I know a lot of Met fans are upset about it because they can't stay healthy but getting a guy like Max Scherzer back could definitely hide the whole Bassett situation. Right. McGill coming back. Now, he had a little bit of a setback, but I think he'll yeah, be back. now in the 60-day IL. And Jacob DeGrom, who could be back in three weeks. The Mets could be at full strength by the end of July. And this is something that everybody was looking forward to, is seeing Max Scherzer, Bassett, and Jacob DeGrom in the same rotation. McGill was early in the season showing how good of a young talent he is. So nobody expected McGill to be what McGill has been so far this year. So take him out of the equation. Your three best guys, Bassett, Scherzer, and DeGrom, have not been in the starting rotation at all this year. Now getting three of them back says a lot about where this team could go in the second half of the season. Now the Braves are only two and a half, three games behind, and I know a lot of Mets fans are worried about that. Everybody knew the Braves were going to be good this year. I don't know why anybody is sitting here and saying, well, we thought this was going to be easy. Everybody knew the Braves were going to be where they are today. Now, does that mean the Mets can't hold on to first place? I, I think the Mets are good enough. I mean, Peter Alonso has been sensational. McNeil has been one of the best hitters in baseball. Lindor has been back and forth, but he's showing you why the Mets paid him the money that they paid him, the $325 million. If you look at the Mets right now, you should be excited that they're getting healthy at the right time. The buy is the one thing that really is the magnitude of why these fans are complaining now because of the way the new the playoff system works. They're hoping to get one of those top seeds, so if they don't win the division, they're not going to. But again, you have to expect it from the Braves. I know it's not something that they did in conventional circumstances. They started off really slow like they did last year and then got on a massive winning streak of 14 games that, oddly enough, was broken up by the Cubs of all teams. But still, it was going to happen eventually once they started pitching and once they started getting healthy. Now, Ozzy Albies is still hurt for them, too. So it's not like they're completely out of the loop yet when it comes to the injuries. But the Mets... They were healthy for the first couple of months of the season outside of DeGrom. So now they're getting hurt and have to deal with it themselves. Every team's going to have to go through an injury patch at some point. So I think the Mets will still be fine in terms of at least getting into the playoff spot. And the Braves are not going to stay this hot forever, too. There is a thing called an all-star break. There is a thing called staying too hot. It, 
you're going to get cold at some point, too. Not massively cold to 14-game losing streak, but cold enough where if the Mets at least weather the storm like they've been doing, they should be fine. The Mets are one of the top three teams in baseball. And if you're a Mets fan right now, not having Jacob deGrom as long as they've had, not having Max Scherzer as long as they've had, it says a lot about this team and where this team could go this year. As far as the Yankees are concerned, there's really nothing bad to say about this team right now. The only thing that I could say about this team is they're going to have to figure out what they're doing with Aaron Judge. Because Aaron Judge has been so hot all season long. How many game winners does he have? Walk-off home runs does he have so far this year? 29 home runs. He's second in the league in almost every single statistic except one. First in many different other statistics. This guy has been the best player in baseball this year. And now you're hearing that there's a possible negotiation right now with Washington and Soto worth about $415 million. Mm -hmm. If that happens, that hurts the Yankees of bringing back Aaron Judge because he's going to want big-time money next year because he wants to be the highest-paid player in the league. And he bet on himself. And I give Aaron Judge a lot of credit. Not many players bet on themselves, especially in New York. And he has proven by betting on himself that he's going to get a lot of money. I didn't think the Yankees were going to pay him more than $200 million. Either did you, Speedy. No, I didn't. He's looking towards close to $300 million. I don't think he's going to get $300 million, but I think he's going to get between two fifty and two seventy five. dollars I don't think the Yankees are going to give him $300 million. I can still definitely see another team doing it just because of the big name and coming off the season that he had. But I just want to mention something about the Soto contract. The latest rumored one was $75 million more than the Nationals' initial offer. So this just shows a lot about how he upgraded his game to the MVP finalist that he was last year, too. Even with a kind of a slow start this year power-wise, too. When you look at the Yankees right now, their rotation is the best in baseball. Their bullpen, the best in baseball. Their lineup, power-wise, is the best in baseball. Their defense is a top-five defense in all of baseball. I don't think there's anything so far early this season, in the first half of the season, that you can say anything bad about this team. Aaron Boone is by far the manager of the year. That's not even an argument. And Brian Cashman, who's a free agent next year, because his contract's up at the end of the year, He's going to be looking for a lot of money, too. And I think the Yankees will pay him. It has nothing to do with the cap. They're bringing him back. Brian Cashman can part ways with the Yankees, and there'll be teams lining up for Brian Cashman services. So to sit here today for all the Yankee fans saying, we don't need Brian Cashman, we don't need Aaron Boone, what are you fans saying now about this team that has the best home record in baseball? 34-9. 34-9. One of the best away records in baseball in 22-12. and 12. There is nothing that you can say bad about this Yankee team. Now, Joey Gallo obviously is something that the Yankees are going to have to figure out before the trade deadline. Are they moving him? I think they should. They don't need him. He strikes out a lot. Changed his stance. He was hitting, and now he's not hitting again. They need to do something with him. Just and make him a Matt Stairs. Just bring him off the bench as a power hitter. He's going to be a free agent at the end of this year. Right. They're not bringing him back. So they're going to have to figure something out with that. And I think the shortstop position, kind of Falefer, is having a good season. Is he having a great season? No. He's up and down. He's made some mistakes this year. We've seen a couple of errors that he has made. If you could upgrade on that position, maybe a Carlos Correa, if the Twins are willing to trade him. Now, obviously, Minnesota right now is in first place in their division. Carlos Correa can opt out of his contract at the end of this year. So if he becomes available, maybe the Yankees, they want to win now. They believe they can win this year. Maybe making a move with Minnesota and bringing Carlos Correa for one year or for the rest of the season with the Yankees, that could really put them as the absolute favorites 
of winning the World Series. It's not even an argument. But I don't know if that's going to happen. But that is the only position I think that the Yankees have to upgrade. I, I think they need to add maybe another rotation arm. I don't know because they still have Herman coming back. We don't know where they're going to put Herman. Are they going to put him in the bullpen? Are they going to put him in the rotation? But when he comes back, you're adding more depth to the rotation. I have heard Luis Castilla's name be dangled yeah. out with the Yankees and the Mets and some of the other teams. Even Boston, I've heard their names getting brought up in conversations for Luis Castilla. Cincinnati Reds is the worst team right now in baseball. Yeah. So I see them really starting to downgrade and trade away pieces. Votto could be available too. So That's a hefty price for the Yankees. Yeah, I know. I'm not talking about the Yankees. I'm talking about other teams that are looking for another bat to their lineup. So it's going to be very interesting to see what is going to happen at the trade deadline. But if you're a Yankee fan, there's really nothing bad to say about it. John Carlos Stanton's hitting for power. Rizzo's hitting for power. Judge is hitting for power. Glaber Torres is hitting for power. And by the way... Trevino, and that's another piece, and we've said this, all those haters out there, I hate Brian Cashman. He doesn't know what he's doing. They make a move, a small little move with the Texas Rangers, and they trade off a double-A or single-A player for Trevino. And, and Trevino right now has been one of the hottest hitters in baseball at the catching position. And he might make the All-Star He's team. probably going to make it as the second All-Star catcher. It's crazy. Yeah. All you Brian Cashman haters out there that you say that Brian Cashman doesn't know what he's doing. He finds a catcher that nobody wants or he was on the scrap heat for the Texas Rangers who is now going to be an All-Star for the New York Yankees at the catcher position. So all you Yankee idiots out there that don't know what you're talking about and saying that Brian Cashman, he's weighed out his welcome and Aaron Boone is the worst manager in baseball. If Aaron Boone has another 100-win season, he will be the first baseball manager in Major League history in his first five years as a manager to have three 100-win seasons. Not one, not two, but three. And he's never had lower than 90 wins. But he's a terrible manager. He doesn't know what he's doing. When the Yankees, a couple of years ago, had more injuries than any team in baseball, he won over 100 games. And I know the Yankee fans want to see championship after championship after championship. It's not that easy. So all you fans out there that have been throwing these two men's names under the bus or under the carpet or with the dirt. The only reason why the Yankees are where they are today is because of Aaron Boone and Brian Cashman. So eat your heart out. I've stuck up for both of them since last year. Tyler Harrison, all the Yankee haters or the Yankee fans that love to hate on Brian Cashman and Aaron Boone are not talking anymore. As far as the Freddie Freeman thing, it's a crazy story. Freddie Freeman fired his agent. I feel bad for Freddie Freeman because he was over there in Atlanta. He got his ring. He was waving to the fans. He started crying. He loved Atlanta. And a lot of people took shots at him on why he didn't sign back with the Braves. But now going back and looking at this story, it's not his fault. If Freddie Freeman knew that the Braves were going to match the L.A. Dodgers, he'd still be an Atlanta Brave. And the fact that his agent did not tell him that he had a contract in place with the Atlanta Braves, shows you how these agents are controlling their players. Yep. Uh, the ego took over for Casey Close, and now he lost his job with Freddie Freeman, the best first baseman in baseball pretty steadily the last five years. And a guy that was a great leader, a great franchise icon for the Atlanta Braves, he wanted to go back there, and you wouldn't let that happen because the Dodgers gave you an extra year, not even extra money, the same average annual values. Six years, 162, what he got with the Dodgers and what the Braves' final offer was in five years, 135. 
Just because of an extra year, you're not going to give Freddie Freeman his city where he played his whole career, where his heart is. You're not going to give him that. That is just so terribly unprofessional. And based on what Jeff was saying on the Sports Lab Mouse on Thursday, was criminal too, technically, because he's he's supposed to disclose every offer as an agent out there. And he didn't do that. The Braves gave him that last offer after the lockout. And we knew that Freddie Freeman all off season was going to stay with the Braves. If the offers were close, he would even take it probably a little bit less to stay with the Braves. Like even if he got five, $10 million less, he probably was staying with the Braves. Well, all we knew is the Braves didn't want to give him the six years. We're persistent on not giving him five, trying to make it four, but they never were going to lowball him the way that a lot of people were making it out to be. And what do you know? The offers in average annual value, exactly the same. I, I don't think he's upset fully because he's still playing for the Dodgers. The Dodgers are going to be contenders. They have the, probably the most talented lineup on paper yeah, than any team in healthy, baseball. Absolutely. But it's sad because I think he wanted to stay in Atlanta. I think he wanted to weigh out his contract with the Atlanta Braves if he got an extension. Unfortunately, his agent really screwed everything up, and I feel bad for him. So I hope... Atlanta fans could just lay off on him. This is not his fault. Chipper Jones took shots at him going to the Dodgers. It wasn't his fault. I don't feel bad for the Braves fans. I feel bad for Freddie Freeman because I think he really sincerely wanted to stay there with the Atlanta. Absolutely. I don't think it had anything to do with Acuna and him not getting along. I don't think it had anything to do with it. I think it had everything to do with the money and the extension. Even if he didn't get that six year, I think he would have signed that contract with the Braves. So it's a shame. I think anybody that's under him should fire him. Dansby Swanson, you're next. He should never have a job again in the major leagues Mm -hmm. as an agent. It's a horrible story. I feel so bad for Freddie Freeman. When we come back, we've got NFL conversation as C.J. Mosley says the season would be a bust if the Jets don't make the playoffs. A lot of Deshaun Watson stuff. Terry McLaurin has a new contract and so many different things that we got to get into in the NFL when we come back here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Marks. My co-host, Speedy PD. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time. Only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine of the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the Worldwide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android at Worldwide Sports Radio Network. By the way, in just a few minutes, we're going to have Dyrell Briggs, a.k.a. the Punisher, coming on to the show. Ex-49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker. So he'll be joining us. We'll get into so much football with him and what he's been doing on and off the field in the last couple of years. So... Happy to have Dyrell back on the show. Let's get into some Jets conversation because C.J. Mosley said something very, very interesting in the last past week. And this is a story here in New York because nobody would have thought one of their leaders were going to come out and throw the Jets under the bus. But C.J. Mosley has probably seen some interesting things so far in the last couple of weeks on the field. He's been over there, non-mandatory OTAs, now mandatory OTAs. He says, and I'll quote this, it's a playoff or bust year for the New York Jets. Now, the Jets have made some great acquisitions in the offseason. They really have. 
Asuma, Conklin, defensive line help. They've added offensive line help and Lankin Tomlinson. They've added so many good pieces to a roster that was very depleted. And now with the draft that they had this year, they added the best running back in Brees Hall. One of the best pass rushers at number 26, Jermaine Johnson. Getting the best wide receiver at number 10 in Wilson. And then arguably getting the best player in the whole draft in Swaz Gardner. This team is absolutely rebooted in the offseason. And that has a lot to do with their all-star and Joe Douglas. But I think the most important thing this offseason is the growth of their quarterback. Zach Wilson needs to take at least five to six steps forward for this team to compete. Now, do I think Zach Wilson is talented enough with a great offensive line and with weapons now on the outside and Wilson, Davis, Moore, Mims, and a running game that has Hall and Carter, Conklin, Uzma? This team is capable of competing offensively in the AFC. Very interesting transformation for C.J. Mosley, a guy that two years ago opted out of the season and then was found seen in bars and partying when he was allegedly sitting out for COVID. And Jets fans were not liking it. He was shown as not a leader. And now two years later, he's at OTAs, mandatory OTAs, helping out these young players and firing up, and now says playoff or bust. What a transformation for somebody like C.J. Mosley in terms of his impact as a leader on this Jets team. And that's something you definitely like to see. Whether they make the playoffs or not, that's another question. But it's something that you definitely could say fires guys up. Will it put some pressure on them? Sure. But I think these are your team is young. They don't, they're not expected to make the playoffs. They're going to have to still overcome a tough AFC, especially with the North and the West, in order to battle out for wild card spots. In their own division, realistically, they might get second. Miami still has a lot of question marks, and the Patriots were cash-strapped, so they weren't able to do much this offseason. So it wouldn't surprise me if they were second in their own division. Again, I don't mind them firing up to say that. They can't get any worse than last year. The Jets had a great offseason. They're not going to get worse unless they have a catastrophic amount of injuries. Zach Wilson, like you said, will be a question for them. I also think Michael LaFleur, we got to see with the play calling, will he be able to use it the right way? But now they have the weapons to be able to do so. So it's up to him to be able to make it work and get the play calling because we've definitely seen the play calling last year be very stale. The Lions, they're the youngest team right now in the NFL after the draft that they had. The Jets are a top five young team in the NFL. So being that they're one of the youngest teams in the NFL, it shows you the growth of what some of these players and some of these veteran players like. C.J. Mosley believes in this team. Quinn Williams could be... A very important factor now with the Jets having two pass rushers and Curry and Lawson coming back and now adding a guy like Jermaine Johnson to the edge, it's going to make Quinton Williams even better this year. This team offensively and defensively is going to be fun to watch, but Zach Wilson is absolutely going to have to step forward. He's got to stop making bad mistakes in the pocket, and when he moves outside of the pocket, make sure that you can throw those short passes. Those were a problem for him last year. Not in the second half of the season, but in the first half, he made a lot of mistakes on the short, over-the-top passes that he was trying to get to his wide receivers and sometimes his running back. So, it's very important to see the growth of Zach Wilson. It's usually the second and the third year where you see that overbearing growth of those quarterbacks. So do I think he could do it? Do I think he has the talent to do that? I think he has all the talent in the world. And I think it was smart for him to break up with his girlfriend at the end of the season. Maybe it was distraction. I'm very excited to see what this Jets team is going to do as a Jet fan. And having one of your leaders in C.J. Mosley, an all-star, an all-pro type of player, coming out and saying that, it says a lot about the team. 
As far as Terry McLaurin is concerned, I felt bad for Terry McLaurin because you see all these contracts and Tyreek Hill getting trading and getting all that money. And then Adams getting all the money that he did. Christian Kirk got his oh, money <laughs> from Jacksonville. McLaurin is light years better than Christian Kirk. Oh, yeah. And this guy has been the best offensive player they have drafted. I don't even remember the last time they had an offensive player this good that they've drafted. The last good wide receiver they had was Santana Moss, which was a jet, a free right. agent pickup. They've never had a talent like this before in the last 15 years. McLaurin getting his $23.5 million per year, $53 million guaranteed for the next three to four years. It, it tells you they're finally putting all their hope into this player to being one of the elite wide receivers in the league. Guy that's durable, a guy that's been pretty consistent, a little streaky in terms of this game to game this year, but consistent year to year with a lot of bad quarterback play coming in with somebody like Kyle Allen, then Taylor Henneke. The unfortunate injury with Alex Smith right before he got there didn't help, but they had to deal with a lot, and he still was putting up numbers, putting up consistency, and really doing well overcoming that amidst all the dysfunction that's gone on within the Washington front office on and off the field. And McLaurin's been a steadily productive guy, a guy that was drafted really for Dwayne Haskins as a a guy that was a teammate with him at the time, a third-round pick that in a loaded wide receiver class was not supposed to be the best one. He arguably is the best one or maybe second to Debo Samuel in this class and he's been a guy that they've needed to sign and finally Washington does something right in terms of keeping their own players and not overpaying other free agents. I think when you look at the big picture and you look at the situation on where the commanders are, they needed to sign him. They needed Carson Wentz there. They added the speedy dots in from Penn State. So I'm interested to see what this team is going to be offensively. McLaurin has never had another good wide receiver on the other side. And they did bring in Curtis Samuel last year, who didn't play all season last year. So now you have three predominantly good wide receivers with Carson Wentz. This could be a fun, high-flying team, but this team is built on defense. So I expect this defense, for what they did in the second half of the season, completely shut down teams in their front seven to do the same this year. So I think having McLaurin in the mix is a good sign, especially with everything that's going on going on outside of the team with their front office and yeah. ownership. Yeah. So, An ownership that might not be much longer. Oh, thank God. Seriously. Adam Schefter has been saying that they're, they're in a shambles right now with what's going I on with the cheerleader stuff and mm-hmm. everything that's going on. With John Gruden suing the league, and there's going to be a lot of things coming out on the Washington Commanders. So I feel bad for John Gruden because John Gruden was the one that really got thrown to the wolves. It wasn't ownership over there, Washington, or Roger Goodell who was trying to hide everything. So, Roger Cattell might not have a job if these stories get even deeper. As far as the Deshaun Watson situation, and as the NFL had him in the courts in meetings all week, trying to figure out how long his suspension is going to be. A lot of people think he should be out for the year. Some people say 10 games. Some believed six games. Innocent until proven guilty. There has been no proof of anything that these stories are completely true. Now, three stories he's admitted to. He's had sex with one of the girls, two of the other girls. He admitted that other things were going on. But he has proven that both girls were agreeing to every single thing that he was asking for or they were offering. The other 20 girls that he had a settlement with, it's done. It's over with. Nothing was proven out of those 20 allegations with the Deshaun Watson thing. I think it's going overboard over 10 games. You cannot suspend this kid for a whole season when there's really no full proof that he did any of these allegations. I'm going to be interested to see where they go because wherever they go, they're going to have to decide what they're doing with Baker Mayfield. 
Because if he is out for the season, why would they get rid of Baker Mayfield? Baker Mayfield would be the starting quarterback for the year for this team. If Baker has a good year, they can move him. They can get the first-round draft pick they can get for Baker if he steps up and gets this team in the playoffs, where they're not considered a playoff team this year with the Bengals and the Baltimore Ravens as good as they are. They can be if they actually have a quarterback, but beyond that, no, they're not going to be if they have to I don't start think they're Jacoby good Brissett. enough. I, I think really their talent is fantastic. It's just a matter of do they have a quarterback to play because— Who's their lead wide receiver this year? Amari Cooper. So you think you can win with just Amari Cooper? And the tight ends and the running game? Yeah. Offensive line is the best in the league the last two years. have not proven anything to me. They overpaid. I agree. They overpaid Austin Hooper. Austin Hooper and the other kid. I don't think they overpaid Njoku. I think Njoku's contract was pretty fair. But I think as a tandem, it's still pretty good. They're well coached. They've had the best performance offensive line the last two years. I think they could be a playoff team if they have some level of a stable quarterback. Not the way the AFC is. uh, I think the Ravens are a little better. A little better? The Ravens fought injury last year. They had no running back. They had one wide receiver, which they traded off and now, the other kid that they drafted, Bateman, I think the Ravens are much better. Defensively, they added Hamilton in the draft. They added Lindenbaum, a center to their offensive line. An offensive line that's gotten better over the last two years. I think the Ravens are definitely one of the teams to beat in a division. And the Bengals, the upgrade they did to the offensive line, they're definitely the favorites of winning that division. As long as Joe Burrow is healthy, they're going to be favorites. Nevertheless, the Browns are still wasting a very good roster with having all this quarterback dysfunction. And that's going to be a big problem for them if other guys are going to want out too. Baker Mayfield wants out from there. Who says he's the first one and not the only one? Because right now, Andrew Berry shifted these contracts to where they're managing it this year. They even shifted to Sean Watson. If he even doesn't play this year, he's only, I think, getting $10 million or something this year. And then all the big money comes the next four years. But all of a sudden, all these big contracts are going to get big all at once. And then you're going to have the same problem the Saints did this offseason. When we come back, ladies and gentlemen, we will have our special guest. We will be talking to former 49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker Dyrell Briggs here on the Weekend Crunch. We are back, ladies and gentlemen. As you know, this is the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Daryl Mark. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9, the LI News Radio Network. Brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine of the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android World Wide Sports Radio Network. Before we get to our special guest, I want to give a shout-out to Chaz from Moneyline Mania segment, who is coming out of the hospital, who had a clog in his heart. He will be back in about a week. I want to give a shout-out to them. We will not have Moneyline Mania on this week's show. It's been two weeks, but he will be back next week with him, Wes, Johns, Hector, and the team, the best sporting handicappers in the business. We have our guest. Thank you for joining us again. We are now talking to ex-49er, Packer, and Bronco linebacker, Dyrell Briggs. Dyrell, what's going on, my friend? Hey, hey, how you guys doing? How's your family been from all this COVID situation? How are you feeling? Did you get COVID? Did anybody in your family get COVID? First of all, it's an honor to be on you guys' show. Thank you, uh, my appreciate friend. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. I love you guys' work, man. I love the energy, man. I just love what you guys are doing. And the way you guys are going, man, I, I won't be surprised in a few years, man. This would be a huge, huge Thank show. You, bigger than what it is, Thank you know? You, so really so good luck it. with that, fellas, man, and everything. My family been good, man. I got two girls that's going into freshman year uh, high school, and they're both playing volleyball. One just got finished 
tennis, playing softball. And then I got my son. He's 10. He's starting tennis. He had his first tennis lessons today. He's like the first kid in the family right now playing <laughs> tennis. And I'm like, go ahead. You know, he's a big boy. I want to play football. But he was inspired by the movie that came out with Serena and mm -hmm. Venus. So I'm like, man, I'm all for it, man. Like my motto, man. If we're going to do it, man, we're going to give it an all. And we're going to go hard. That's cool. But yeah, the family is good. I got my baby that I mm -hmm. just had not too Congratulations. long ago. Congratulations. Um, Appreciate it. She was born with Down syndrome, mm -hmm. so that's a little bit of handful, but it's been fun just learning. Actually, just being prepared already because I deal with kids with special needs as it is. We were talking about how much time you put into autistic children and special needed children, so we really respect everything that you've done in the community after football. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker Tyrell Briggs. We look at your career. You played for three really good teams, three teams that have won Super Bowls in different decades. The 49ers in the 80s, the Packers really were dominant in the 90s and now this new era, and then the Broncos, the 90s, and now they're starting to build now with Russell Wilson. What was it like playing for three top teams in the NFL? It was just an honor, first of all, to play in the NFL, and then second of all, you were absolutely right, to play with teams that had that type of tradition of winning. It was a great experience from each team. You know, you got to see their type of way of how they approach the game, the different type of Hall of Famers from me meeting Jerry Rice, being around Aaron Rodgers and seeing Brett Favre in that Denver Broncos era of actually being close to playing side to side to Tim Tebow. It was a great experience, man. And sometimes I really, not even forget, but sometimes I tend to not even really think about that great experience of playing for that great team. As much as I want to play for the Bengals, I love them, but you playing for them teams, championship in the DNA. It was just like the way you walk and the way you talk. It was different. The Packers, in addition to being a very well-run organization, except until recently, but they also are a very good football culture, too. It's like a cult following that they have over there. So what were some of those experiences like off the field? They do all these different events. Oh, what I loved about just the culture and just how they bleed that green and yellow was the fact that you had houses that was right by the stadium that were all decked out packed houses and they were houses that was rented to players because as you play in the season depending on if you got a long contract and sometimes that's not even guaranteed usually just rent or stay in a hotel but it was a lot easy to have fans like that that was diehard fans that let you rent the house or let you stay there for free just because the strength of they're loving the team and then two things that I experienced there that was really amazing one is the whole riding bikes during the camps. You know, that was awesome because I love the kids. So to me, that was just something that make you feel like to them that you're human. Like you're not just no super, not you, you're like you're just a human being that, you know, has a heart and that loves kids. And then not only that, when it was game time, you talk about the whole town mm. shut down. No one in sight. It was quiet and it was just a love. Like nothing against Denver and San Fran, but playing there, it was just a different atmosphere, man. It was just a different type of love. It was like probably when I really realized that, dude, I'm in the NFL. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker Dyrell Briggs. Dyrell, I know you watched a little bit of the NFL season this year. The Packers had a sensational year. Aaron Rodgers was the best quarterback in the league, the MVP, back-to-back -back years. He's been as dominant as a quarterback as we've ever seen. You obviously know Aaron Rodgers. A lot of people have said some nasty things about him, teammates, but we've had teammates on the show over the last two years said that he's one of the best leaders you can possibly know. He's a great guy. I think people just misunderstand him as a player if you're not in the locker room. What was your time like over there with the Packers? And what could you say about Aaron Rodgers that you've learned the little bit of time that you were there with him? My experience over there, first of all, I was a guy that came mid-season. 
they had a lot of injuries and they were just trying to get guys to come in to jail to get to that chip at the time didn't nobody really know that we were going to do that to get to that chip this is to let you know what type of person he was in a leader what showed his leader mentality when i first got there i was clay matthews backup so i was on that second team defense and when you're playing that second team defense man you're trying to get to that first team so you're giving it your all you're going against the ones so i'm going against the ones making moves getting close to him but not touching him because you got to stay off the qb and after i get a good five or six good rushes on him and it's now first team defense and now second team, oh, he comes up to me. I like your fire, man. We got to get you out on the field. You keep bringing that pressure on me. And I'm like, whoa, I like that. That makes me want to go harder for him. So that was just something that lets me know, okay, this guy is not a stuck-up guy, guy that's going to be like, oh, it's this or this and that. It was a guy that was down to earth that understood that it takes everybody from the locker room, from the towel guy to the guys that's not playing to special teams to win a championship. And that's how he approached it. Does he give another example? We lean on to camp the following year. Everybody had their groups where they break off and watch film. But majority of the time, the quarterbacks either get out first or to our dorm room. So he'd get out early, man. And being a cat that he was, he had sat up and hide in bushes and wait for the rookies to come and shoot little beanbags, BBs, and water balloons and throw them it was just that type of initiating, like, welcome to the family, man. I'm no bigger than nobody. We joke around type of love, man. He was just one of those guys that, honestly, I felt like people read him wrong. He was just a guy that was competitive and wanted to win, but understood that it took everybody. He welcomed me in with all arms, and clearly I'm not a receiver or offensive lineman or play offense, but as a defense and being a guy that wasn't the number one guy, he made me feel like I was just as important as the number one guy. I want to shift to your time with the Broncos. One of the guests we had on at the beginning of the year, great guy in Brandon Lloyd. Do you have any good stories with him? Now, Brandon Lloyd, he was, I do remember watching him in practice. What I loved about Brandon, he was the spectacular catch Odell Beckham before mm. Odell Beckham. Mm. If people watched him, that dude used to make some amazing catches, and he worked hard. He also carried a swagger to him. Like, he was very confident, man, but he played hard. I love mm. it. Go back and watch him, man. He was a guy that made some tough catches, and he ran hard. But at practice, he was a tough guy. You ain't want to cross him. We are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker Dyrell Briggs. Last year, the Rams win the Super Bowl, and all season long, a lot of people thought they were trading away chips. They traded away practically their whole draft this offseason they paid Aaron Donald they paid Cooper Cup but what were your thoughts last year bringing in Matthew Stafford giving that team the swagger that they needed to win a Super Bowl and be the second team back-to-back years to win a Super Bowl at their home stadium the most important part to having a good championship team is not just having a great quarterback as in statistics and on, but a leader. Somebody to be able to bring everybody together and want to understand that it's not about you, it's about we. That team had already had a great chemistry when it came to defense because I'm a true believer that the upfront is what wins the game and that's offense O-line and D-line because you can put a great quarterback there but if he ain't got no guys to protect him he just become average if anything it just told me and showed me that guy came in there and he got respect and that team loved him and he ran with and he knew what to do and after being a veteran so long in the game being close man you couldn't really fumble that piece of art that's over there with the Rams because that's a stacked team he was just like that piece of the puzzle they were probably missing so speaking of the Rams they've been one of the big 
biggest beneficiaries of what has been kind of a player-run league now. I don't know if it's at the same level of something like the NBA. Yes, Nothing's top, like the NBA. Well, obviously, but these top quarterbacks, these top wide receivers seem to have leverage, and you saw the Rams really strive off that with guys like Jalen Ramsey, who wanted out. Matthew Stafford wanted out. Even Andrew Whitworth, kind of a sour ending in Cincinnati. So do you think it'll come to the point where it's not necessarily as drastic as the NBA, but maybe becomes a predominantly player-run league? I think it will. Just how things are going now. It's time and a place to do things. And I don't fault people if it's for a good reason, but I'm very competitive, man. I'm the type of person I like to get it out of the dirt. If I can make this team grind and we can get to the chip, let's do it. I'm not trying to look a team up unless it's somebody that I have family with, grew up and played with, but I think that eventually it probably will become that, but I highly doubt it because it's not as free as the NBA. I love the no shots to the NBA, but the NBA is just ran a little bit different than the NFL, so. Yeah, you have LeBron but, you James know, running the world. And I'm an Ohio guy. It's mm. just a little bit different because it's not one person in the NFL that right. represents the NFL, if that makes sense. We've seen so many linebackers in this league change the game. Could you name the linebacker when you played in the game that you remember that changed the game? And do you see somebody in the league right now, a linebacker, that is going to change the speed of the game now than it did when you played. The linebacker that really changed the game for me growing up was Terrell Suggs. And the only reason he changed because when I was coming up, I was watching him in college. I think it was the same year and he had the top sacks in a college NCAA and I was like yo that's where I want to be because I had the body shape because I was never a guy that was 6'4 250 260 natural I was just a lean guy that knew how to get to the QB you just watching him and seeing that a lot of people start going to that 3-4 type that hybrid drop it was perfect for me I loved it because when I got to San Fran they still had that one rush outside linebacker and one drop which was Manny and the other one RP my guy Perry Harrelson. He was the rusher. When I came to the league, guys that stood the court, but also dropping coverage. So it was T-Suss. And then after I was done, I loved Von Miller. But I really loved the guy with the Bengals, man. Mm-hmm. I think he was number 99. It was a DN. I know he ain't a linebacker, but I, I just love his style. He reminds me of a hard-nosed guy that just come full tilt every play. Oh, by the way, I know you were teammates with Paris Harrelson. Sending condolences. I know you are probably close with him passing away. R.I.P. Rest in peace. Yes. And, and hopefully his family is doing better. I lost a cousin. I lost a nephew this year so i know what it's like to oh wow to miss family members and lose family members that early so yeah so you mentioned cincinnati your instagram is at cincinnati 1985 db so the cincinnati football community they've got to be on cloud nine right now between the cincinnati bearcats what they did in the college football season making the playoff as a non-power five and then the Bengals going to the super bowl so have you gotten (laughs) accustomed with the football culture over there in cincinnati and if so what was that like being that i'm from cincinnati i was a little bitter taste because coming out at the time, they didn't pick me or looked at me. It was kind of upset because I would love to play for my home team because growing up, that's what we were, Bengals. The great thing about playing for San Fran was I got to play next to guys that I watched us draft and I loved, like Tequil Spikes, Justin mm-hmm. Smith. Watching that team and watching Bearcats because my nephew's name is Kenyon. And my sister named him after Kenyon Martin at the time. So <laughs> his name Kenyon DeMar Johnson. So that didn't tell you how much we were diehard fans. So during this time, I had a bit of taste. So I hate it. I felt like we had a curse, especially the Bengals, because we have good teams. We get to the playoff or something like the ankle with Carlson mm-hmm. Palmer happen. We just could get over. So being that I haven't been really watching football, my sister like, oh, we winning. We got that boy Chase. We looking good. They all young. We having 
a good year, being ranked, and she calling me going crazy. And then we get to the playoffs with the Bengals. Then next, you know, we win the Super Bowl. It was just like nonstop calling me, everybody on my Facebook, you should have been a Bingo and this and that. <laughs> it was pretty crazy, man. I'm not going to lie. It made me become a fan again for the Bengals because some people think I'm a bandwagon. I represent the teams that I play for, but I still always have love for my hometown team because that's my stripes. That's where I came from. So to see that the year that them boys put in this year, I give respect and his love, and I became a fan. I just pray that they continue to do it and stay healthy. As everybody knows, we are talking to former 49ers, Packers, and Broncos linebacker Dyrell Briggs. This season coming up, a big transition with the NFC and the AFC. A lot of the NFC quarterbacks are moving to the AFC, and the dominance of the NFC for, I would say, the last 10 years, it definitely stands out. With Tampa being there, Tom Brady moving over there, you have Aaron Rodgers, Russell Wilson, all these different quarterbacks and all the dominance of the NFC. Now it's transition with that AFC West with the Chargers being as dominant as they are, the Broncos and the Las Raiders, Vegas yeah. Raiders and Lamar Jackson and the Baltimore Ravens and the Pittsburgh Steelers adding the quarterback in the draft. All these teams upgraded. The AFC could be more dominant than the NFC for the first time in a very long time. When you look at the transition of both leagues, what do you believe is going to stand out the most this year? I'm honestly a firm believer in chemistry. It's chemistry and for real being healthy in defense because defense win championships, man. That's what's going to get you over that hump. I can't forget about special teams. That's the difference maker than anything. With a lot of these transitions and a lot of things going, it's still to me any given Sunday. I just think that being more prepared and understanding the aspect of your defense being good, your special teams being good and having that chemistry is great. When you look at the Green Bay Packers at that time back then, I don't even think we did that well in preseason right. or in the beginning of the season because sometimes we call it the pretenders in the first few months and then the contenders at the end of the month because that's when it counts because you could be cooking in the beginning of the season and then during that break of the next half of the season and you go down that man it could be bad that's really what i truly feel going into the next year man it's really up in the air unless i could see a team that i'm there or watching closely to seeing the chemistry and seeing the special teams and just seeing them clicking man what have been some of the notable events you've done in terms of your work with the kids with disabilities and things that you've done to help raise awareness for it with i'm working with my company we went to an expo autism expo where we had an opportunity to one just give more resources to families and just people in general about the autism and what we offer and me already putting together more of a work exercise type of program for kids with autism because with that it helps with coordination it helps mm -hmm. with just a lot of other things that a lot of kids with autism can benefit for from coordination from balance man from just a lot and it's allowed me to just be able to express that more because now with the kids being inside man they're gaining weight man and it's health and I think that's been my whole push was that I may not be the best when it comes to the research or whatnot, but I know for sure what exercise does to the mind, body, and the soul. And what I've learned about how it can help benefit for kids with special needs, knowing that now that I have a daughter with special needs, it's just been my push, man. It's just exercise, exercise, exercise. That's kind of been an event that I have. I'm also trying to put together another event for autism, just more resources, just trying to get more awareness out there, man, in different cities and even different countries. Because a lot of people don't know in different countries, it's kids 
kids that's just the same that have autism, but over there is kind of shunned upon, or they don't have the resources, or they get left behind. And one thing about Mr. Darrell Briggs, he'll never want a kid left behind. That's awesome. Great man. You're a special person, man. We are talking to former 49ers Packers and Broncos linebacker Darrell Briggs. Anything you need from us, you want us to do an event over here, bring you over here. I know a lot of people out here. If you want to do an event out here, Speedy right here, he actually is autistic. And I knew a lot of people growing up with a lot of the same things that your daughter was going through, too. So I sympathize with every one of them. I knew a lot of what they went through. I don't have it to the same level as those people did, and I struggle watching them having to go through what they do every day. So always supporting your daughter and all the other kids you work with. Absolutely. But see, what I love is, look, Speedy, you were awesome, dude. Look at that. Thank you, You wouldn't even notice. That's what I love about my kids, man, is because once they get something, they master it, and it's brilliant, Mm. man, because everybody can't do that. So I love it, man. I'm sorry. That gives me the chills, bro. Mm. I appreciate it, man. That's something that I'd love to do is to get out there and we have a huge event. Maybe I can sign autographs, man. We should definitely link up and do something like that, man. But Mm. once again, it's a pleasure being on that. Hey, man, I wish you guys the best, man. If you stay in tune right now, please lock into these guys, man. Roll with these guys, man, because they doing something great, man, and you want to be a part of this ride. So, I appreciate it, fellas. Thank you so much, man. Thank you, Dyrell. And we'll be in touch. Speedy and I would like to do an event with you, and we know Gary Brown out here. He does a lot of events over here for Toys for Tots. I know you know Gary. Me and him are very close. We used to do an event with one of our doctors, a concussion event. We come together and talk about concussions, man, and do a lot of things, man, and me and him began to click and bomb, man. He does a lot of stuff out there, man. That man is involved, mm-hmm. man. And I would definitely love to be with, either be close to what he's doing. That's what he really inspires me. So that's something that I'm going to reach out to him and let him know. I'm like, listen, dude, I got some guys that they brought your name up and I think it'd be great that we could just get something going, man. I'm glad you said something about that, man. I'm going to mm-hmm. really reach out to him, man. Maybe we could really get Absolutely. Going, we should definitely do something out here. There's a lot of things. There's a lot of events and places that we can do it. And it could definitely bring a lot of people together. There's a lot of autism over here. A lot of special needed kids that need the help. Speed he's autistic and you wouldn't even know that he's autistic and that's what makes it so special that if you put the time and energy into what you do and you work really really hard i remember when he started here he was horrible and then i sat here and i worked with him and he's become a natural talent and it's amazing if you put the time and you work in it, it doesn't matter what you are autistic it doesn't matter if you put the time in, you work hard enough you can do anything you want to so it's an amazing story yes and i'm a firm believer behind my guy no matter what you do if you put the work into it it will come to you. I don't care what it is. If you put the work, it will come to you. And shout out and love and inspiration to my guy, Speedy! (laughs) Thank you so much, man. (laughs) Thank you, Dyrell. We'll talk soon, man. Thank you, Dyrell. All right, man. Y'all have a good one. The great Dyrell Briggs, Speedy. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. It shows you how much he loves us. We're so happy to have him on the show. He's a big fan of us. He's a big fan of the show. We're a big fan of what he does on and off the field with special needed kids and autistic kids. So shout out to Dyrell Briggs and him and his family they're fantastic yeah people. a guy that really has done a great job at reaching out to all different kids and his daughter dealing with down syndrome yep. now but also just kids across the country kids all across all walks of sports all across of different events and really helping them out it's really a tremendous job what he's been doing and the message that he sends out to all these communities when we come back speedy what do we got crunch time here on the weekend crunch we are back ladies and gentlemen as you know we are the Weekend Crunch. I'm your host, Errol Marks. My co-host, Speedy Petey. Remember, you can listen to our show every single Saturday from 7 p.m. to 9 p.m. New York Eastern Time only on 103.9. 
the LI News Radio Network, brought to you by New York Sports Team Magazine in the World Wide Sports Radio Network. Download the World Wide Sports Radio app by going to iOS, WWSRN, or Android, World Wide Sports Radio Network. So shout-out to Chaz. Shout-out to Dyrell Briggs. Hopefully Chaz gets better. We'll get him back on the show next week. Moneyline Mania. I know everybody is looking for their bets. 83.5% right since we brought him on the show. It's been five and a half months we've had him on the show. They've been fantastic. Great, great guys. So shout-out to them. Before we get into crunch time, the NHL playoffs were fantastic. The Avs in the Lightning series only showed you one thing. There is a new dog in town, the Colorado Avalanche. The Colorado Avalanche, the last three seasons, were, the, I believe, the most talented team in hockey. And with the youth that they had, Joe Sackick is one of the smartest GMs in all of hockey. This is a Hall of Famer, a guy that knows the game of hockey. I met him years and years ago. He was a part of the Colorado Avalanche organization, even when they moved from the Quebec Nordiques mm-hmm. all the way to Colorado. This guy has been a face of that organization for such a long time. And he has two fantastic players in McKinnon and Cal McCarr, two fantastic players. McCarr, who was the MVP of the playoffs, he was fantastic. They have been unbelievable throughout the playoffs, and they found goaltending. And that was the problem the last couple of years. Now they haven't. There is nothing bad to say about this team, and there's nothing bad to say about the Tampa Bay Lightning, which have been a dominant force, one of the best teams in our generation of hockey with the players they have, and they're not done. I think they're still fairly young. They have some good veteran players still there. They're going to have to decide what they're going to do with Steven Stamkos because he had a great season, and they're not going to be able to keep all these players with the contracts that they have. So they're going to have to decide what they're doing with one or two of these players if they plan to be an elite team for many, many years to come. So Stevie Eiserman's no longer there. He's with Detroit. It's going to be very interesting what they do in the offseason. But as far as I'm concerned, the Avalanche are going to be a team that to be reckoned with for the next three or four years. Oh, yeah. And you got to remember, a lot of these role players that they got are young, too. They didn't just trade for veteran guys to help out their depth. They traded for guys like Andre Burakovsky, 26 years old. Arturi Lekkinen, who had a big postseason for them, 26 years old. Valerie Nishuskin, 26 years old. These are all guys that were not there at the beginning of that stretch where they got it going as an eight seed and were pesky in the playoffs against the Flames and the Sharks, teams like that. In those last three years, those, those guys were not there, and those were the guys that ended up helping them on the depth end of it. McKinnon had a great playoff, like we were saying. McCarr had a great playoff. Landis and Rantanen had great playoffs in certain stretches, but those depth guys were the things that were holding them back against Vegas when they got knocked out, against Dallas when they got knocked off in the hub cities. And goaltending, too. Fabio Frusile is a nice young goalie, but also Darcy Kemper rebirthing himself. He was a nice young goalie in Minnesota, had all those injury problems, went to Arizona. Obviously, the mess that's over there with the Coyotes. Never got it going over there with injuries. And now, finally, with Colorado. Look at all he had to recover in the playoffs, too. Collapsed on the ice once, then had a big injury against the Blues mm-hmm. and all of a sudden battling their way back. Colorado needed that inspiration and the biggest one of all, Nazem Kadri. All he had had to deal with in the mm-hmm. playoffs between the injuries and the races. Coming back and, and scoring big goals. Huge goals and was a great playoff performer for them. Was leading their team in goals at one point in the playoffs before he got hurt. That was the inspiration that Colorado needed. So congratulations to them for winning their first Stanley Cup since 2001. Absolutely congratulations to the best team in the NHL in the Colorado Avalanche. And Joe Sackick, who very much deserves all the credit in the world, how he built that team. He has been there since the beginning, just like Stevie I over there with the Lightning, who built that team. I think Joe Sackick has an up-and-coming top-end team for the next four to five years. Mm -hmm. So shout-out to Joe Sackick and the Colorado Avalanche. Speedy! Time for Crunch Time! It's time for Crunch Time! Gotta see the pitch. 
All right, we're going to start this crunch time with a little college football. Big news on Thursday that came out that USC and UCLA will be going to the Big Ten. Buy or sell, we will see another Power 5 team move conferences before the season starts. I mean, we're seeing it now. We're seeing it now, so why not? It's changing. College football, college sports is changing. The transition from one team to another, moving from one place to the other, I absolutely buy it. I think it's going to happen. I'm going to buy it, too, with a little bit of a loophole. They're, they're power five for other sports, but they're independent for football. I could see Notre Dame being that next team to move in there into the Big Ten, possibly. Play a Big Ten schedule a lot of the time. They're ACC for basketball, and they've done well there, too, in certain stretches. So I'm going to buy that it's going to be Notre Dame, even though they're technically not Big Ten. Buy or sell. Donovan Mitchell will not be traded now that Rudy Gobert got traded. As far as now is concerned, I can't see it. The Knicks are going to have to give a boatload of picks, and I don't even think Danny Ainge needs it. They just got four from the Timberwolves, so I don't think it's going to happen. Not right now. Now, as the season progressively goes, and maybe Utah is not a playoff team, they seem to look like they're falling apart. Maybe they decide to part ways with Donovan Mitchell and completely clean up from the bottom to the top again. So I am going to buy that. I agree with you on that one. I think also... Atlanta was the other team that was really highly rumored for him, but they just traded for DeJounte Murray as well. They get that kind of attacking point guard, defensive point guard like Donovan Mitchell. He's not as good as Donovan Mitchell, but I think he's somebody that the Hawks wanted too. So I think Utah, between the hallback and that with being the assets, I will buy it as well. All right, buy or sell. The Rangers will sign two out of three of Frank Vetrano, Andrew Kopp, and Ryan Strom. I'm going to sell it. I can't see it. I don't know how much money they have to spend. It's $10 million in cap right now. I think they sign one. I can't see them signing all three of them. Vetrano, I think, is the guy they should sign. I think Cobb is going to go and test the waters out in free agency, especially what he did in the second half after he got traded to the Rangers. So I'm going to sell that. I'm going to buy it. I think they're going to lose Strom. I think they're going to keep Cobb and Vetrano. I think they're going to let a lot of their other fourth-line and defensive depth walk. A lot of the veteran guys, guys like Braun, uh, Tyler Mott, they traded for the trade deadline that they haven't been able to come to terms with. I think Cobb and Vetrano will stay. They play too well together. So I am going to buy it. All right, buy or sell. The Braves will overtake the Mets at some point before the All-Star break. Sell it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think the Mets are going to get better before the All-Star break. Matt Scherzer coming back. Bassett will be back. And Jacob DeGrom might be back. I doubt it, but he might be back. So I'm going to sell that. I don't think the Braves will in the first half of the season. Yeah, I'm going to sell it too. Max Scherzer is expected to come back on Tuesday. They're playing against Cincinnati, who's been the worst team in baseball. And they're going to get some other guys back too as well. The Braves, I think will keep it close. I think they're going to probably overtake teams like the Brewers and the Cardinals for the best record in the National League. One of those best top five teams. But I don't think they're going to overtake the Mets. I will sell it. All right, buy or sell. Both Debo Samuel and DK Metcalf will get more money than Terry McLaurin just got. I buy it. Debo Samuel is better than McLaurin. And Metcalf, we'll see. I, I think Seattle might have to overpay him to keep them there. So I'm going to buy it. I'll, I'll say I'll buy it for both. I'm going to sell it just because I do think Metcalf will end up getting traded. And I think a team that wherever he gets traded to is not going to give him that level of money. I think they're, they're trading gonna, for him. They're going to have to. I, I don't think he's going to get as much as McLaurin though, because one, because of his inconsistencies too. And also playing with Russell Wilson too. I think if he goes to a better team, he's not going to get that level. I think Washington had to do it. Did to, he have over a thousand yards last year? Yeah. He's been in the league the same amount as McLaurin and he's been probably steadily similar statistically, but he's been very streaky game to game. And I think a, a Again, Washington had to do it because he was their best offensive player. I think a team that trades for him for Seattle is going to be contending teams. I just don't know if they'll get that level of money. Debo Samuel, I think, will. DK Metcalf, not. So I am going to sell that. All right, buy or sell. KD will be traded somewhere other than the Heat or the Suns. I absolutely going to buy that. I think he will negotiate something 
with the Nets because I don't think Phoenix and Miami make sense. Both teams don't have enough money to get him. They'll meet halfway, and I think he gets traded to somebody else. So I'm going to buy it. I'm going to buy it, too. I think there's uh, there's a couple other dark horses that I've heard. Toronto being one of them now that, uh, that has come into Not the Not Toronto. I don't think he'll go to Toronto. I, 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 and I still think the Blazers or Damian Lillard wants him there. I definitely would not rule that out. They've been looking like they're trying to keep players intact over there in Portland to have one last hurrah with Damian Lillard. So I think it will be one of those teams. It just doesn't make sense for the Suns. They'll have to do a signing trade with Aiton, or otherwise they're going to have to trade Bridges, then Tyler Hero, too, with Miami, too. I just A lot of it doesn't make sense. So I agree with you. I am going to buy it. All right. Buy or sell. Islanders will sign either Johnny Goudreau or Philip Forsberg as a free agent. I buy it. I think it's going to happen. They need another superstar to play with Barzell. They've been looking for that guy to play beside him. It's been a big problem, and we haven't seen the growth of Barzell because of it. So I absolutely buy that one of those guys will be an Islander. Yeah, I'm going to buy it, too. I mentioned Goudreau as somebody, a guy that they could have traded for at the start of the season before the Flames. We knew were really that good. But I still think the Flames are always one of those teams that are so streaky. So I can still believe they could uh, lose him as a free agent, too, and he doesn't go back there. So I am going to I buy think it Phillip, as well. I think Philip Forsberg has a better chance of being an Islander than okay. Goudreau because of what Goudreau did this year, and the Calgary Flames are going to do everything they can to keep him. Gotcha. All right. And nevertheless, I'm going to buy it as well. I do think they'll end up getting one of them. All right. One more. Pete Alonzo has 69 RBIs, four more than the next highest person. Buy or sell, he will lead by the All-Star break. I buy it. I think he will. I mean, having four more RBIs in how many games left before the All-Star break? It's like a week and a half. Yeah. So you have like five, six, seven, eight games. I think Pete Alonzo will still be on top with RBIs. But we'll see as the season progressively goes. He might go into those slumps where he doesn't get an RBI. So I'm going to buy that he will have the lead by the All-Star break. Yeah, I'll buy it too. I I think... Going to Cincinnati, you're going to a bandbox in Great American Ballpark, too. A pitching staff that isn't very good. And the Mets have still been hitting amidst all that, even all the, having all the pitching injuries that they've had. So the guys around him, I think, will help him out where he can hold a four RBI lead by that point. So I will buy it as well. Ladies and gentlemen, happy 4th of July. I hope everybody has a fantastic holiday. Keep listening to the Weekend Crunch. Listen to the Worldwide Sports Radio Network. Check out the Sports Loud Mouths on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Our show is 9 p.m. to 12 a.m. It's actually, we're working on moving it down from 7 to 10. So all the kids out there that want to listen to us and have a little bit of fun with us and actually can call the show will have the opportunity to do that moving forward. So that'll be soon as well. Shout out to Dyrell Briggs. Thank you for joining us. Happy 4th of July to you and your family. This is a great man. Definitely check out the interview if you missed on our app. Download our app as always. Uh, shout out to Chaz. Thank God you're getting better. You're out of the hospital. Moneyline Mania will be waiting for you next week. So we're excited that you're you're okay and you're, you're doing well. So shout out to Chaz. Uh, Speedy, you have anything to say before we go? Yep. All the fans out there have a safe and happy holiday weekend, 4th of July weekend. Uh, shout out to Dyrell Briggs. Everything you do with the kids in the community on and off the field and Chaz as well. Wishing you all the best in getting out of the hospital, going home, and everything health-wise. Well, 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 we will be back next week. Until then, happy 4th of July, ladies and gentlemen. We'll talk to you next week. Good night.